Amen. Well, welcome this morning. Welcome to New Life Church. So good to see you guys with us today. On this Sunday morning, as Lindsay mentioned earlier, just the thankfulness of uh, changing temp is nice um, from what it's been. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes putting the Word of God into practice is, is, uh, is not always that easy sometimes, is it? Uh, hearing these things, like Paul says, to fix our thoughts on what is true and right and pure and holy and all those things and trying to get ourselves to, to, to think or focus in a certain way is not, not always easy. But uh, today we're going we're gonna to talk about a subject matter that uh, helps us to, um, to instill these things from God's Word. And um, hopefully from last week, you, uh, you were able to take some of the scriptures with you that we, uh, that we shared. You've been able to hopefully look over them, maybe read some of them this week uh, throughout, your, throughout your day, and that you have found uh, great comfort and strength from God's Word this past week. As we're in a series called Rooted, uh, we're looking at a few different things uh, from God's Word and what we need to be rooted in where we need to embed ourselves into. And we've looked at having uh, ourself uh, be rooted in vision, having the right focus, the focus that Christ is the center and keep Him the center in our life, having a vision that looks at Him um, as that's who, that's, that's our target. That's where we're running after. That's who we're looking after. And last week we talked about being rooted in the Word and the power of God's Word, the effect of God's Word in our life. But for that to uh, to hear it and to read it and then for it to actually be alive in us is two different things. That's why we got to keep putting into practice, as Paul admonished us there in Philippians 4, as I read just a minute ago, keep putting into practice what we have learned and uh, doing it over and over and over and over again. And sometimes that can feel very monotonous. That can feel like, man, what's the point? I don't, I'm not really seeing the effect of of what I am doing here, but it only, it, uh, just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time that you begin to see and you'll begin to notice uh, your tree blooming, your, 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 your uh, self prospering and, and blooming. And what we might, because what we don't always see is what takes place underneath the soil. And that can get very frustrating. That can get, um, uh, aggravating when we're when we, we we can't see what's really happening underneath in the soil of our heart and the soil of our life, but what's happening is God is working. God is God is cultivating His seed in our life, and and it's just a matter of time before we begin to really start to see the effects of that uh, take shape and take place in our life. And today we're going to look at a subject that I feel like is is one that um, the the more we practice this. Uh, the more we will begin to see uh, the greater effect of God and His kingdom and His word and His promise and the relationship with Christ be stronger and, and more alive in us. And that is this, to be rooted in worship. To be rooted in worship. What comes to mind when you hear that word worship? Do you think of what we just did, singing? Do you think of, you know, coming to church, uh, sitting or standing there in a row at the chair and looking at words on a screen or in a hymnal and, and, and repeating them as they are, as we hear the melody? Um, what, what comes to mind when you hear the word worship? 
Um, the word worship appears about a hundred, a little over a hundred times throughout Scripture, uh, and the word in the in the Old Testament in the Hebrew language it, it means to bow down. It means to crouch down humbly in reverence is what that means. A physical posture is what's given. You see that first take place with Abraham. And Isaac, in Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham is taking his son Isaac up to the mountain to worship God, and you, it's, uh, and, and you see that with Moses and the elders and how they are going up the mountain to worship God. Uh, you see that throughout the Old Testament uh, with guys like Daniel, who, who three times a day would go to his room and bow down facing Jerusalem, and, and he would bow down and worship to God. And you cross into the New Testament, and the word worship in the Greek means almost similar things. It means to kneel. It means to, to lie down in prostration and, and pay homage to a higher authority out of respect and honor. And you see that first in Matthew 2 with the wise men who came from the east looking for the, for the child of Christ, the Christ child who was born. It was the Messiah. They came looking for him. They said, we are here to worship him. We have come to worship him. And then when they found him, when they saw the star resting over the house where he was at, they go in and they find him and they see him. And it says they kneel down to worship him. And you see that throughout the New Testament. You see that in the life of Christ. In Matthew 4, when, when Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days, fasting and praying, he says, and he's being tempted by the devil, one of the things the devil tempts him with is his worship. He said, I'll give you all of this that you see if you will just worship me. And Jesus says, you know, it's written in Scripture that you should worship and serve only the Lord your God. Worship throughout Scripture teaches us that our worship is to be pointed upwards. It, it's to be pointed upwards. Yeah, there might be a physical posture change, a kneeling, a lying down in prostration, a, a, a bowing down out of reverence and out of, uh, out of honor and out of respect, but it's not based solely on the physical posture because really anybody could have the physical posture of those types of things, but it not translate to the reality in their heart and their life. And, um, and so Jesus comes along, and he takes worship from being not being about a physical place and location or a physical posture per se, but he puts an onus on and, and zeroes in on worship is about the heart. And we're going to look at something. I want you to look at something in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and then after this we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. John chapter 4, to set this up, Jesus is traveling, he's walking, he's going on his way uh, back to Galilee, and it says he stops in Samaria, and he stops by this one town, where, and there's these, these wells. And he has this, he's thirsty, and he wants a drink, and he needs to rest, and he starts this conversation with this lady, the woman at the well. It's a Samaritan woman, and there's a lot of cultural differences involved here, a lot of things you could pull out and look at culturally that sh the way this is happening. This is not supposed to happen this way. But they end up having this conversation, and Jesus ends up reading her mail in the sense that, hey, you're here because you, you're coming to get, fill your water pots with water, but really what's going on is you're thirsty inside. 
says, you're thirsty inside. You're desperate inside. Because all, the, all this time in your life, you've been wasting your life on people. And people have not given you the satisfaction and the fulfillment that you thought you needed. And he said, I, I want to let you know that I am that water that you seek. I am that, that well that you come to. And then, so they get into this conversation, and, he, and she's starting to get kind of freaked out. And look at in verse 19, John 4, verse 19. And, he, and it says this, Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? Everyone say worship. While we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. There it is again. Everyone say worship. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter, matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, and so those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The word worship there is used a whole lot. So out of the hundred and something times it's mentioned in Scripture, I don't know how many times it's there, but quite a few times. Jesus is emphasizing a very important theme, and that is worship. The issue here, the woman was making it about a place, a location. And Jesus has come to take the emphasis of, hey, it's not necessarily about a location, and it's not necessarily about your posture physically, what is really going on and what, what the Father is after. Those, what he says, those who will worship him in sincerity, those who will worship God in spirit and in truth. So Jesus takes the worship from being about a physical place and a physical posture, and he makes worship about the heart. He makes worship about the heart and more, more emphatically worship as a lifestyle. Not something you go just to do one day a week on the Sabbath, but the lifestyle that we are all called to live every day of our life. So does that mean what do we do about worship? Every time we think of God, we want to acknowledge God, we want to talk to God, are we supposed to just stop what we're doing and kneel? Are we supposed to just start laying down in the middle of our jobs? Pretty soon you won't have a job if you keep doing that, right? What are we supposed to do? What do we mean we think of worship? Does that mean, man, every time I think of the Lord, well, let me hold on a second. Let me find a safe place to pull off and get out of my car and, and take a knee. No, that, that, that's, that's not going to happen. Because it's not necessarily, it's not about a location and it's not always about the posture. Posture is important, absolutely. It says a whole lot about us. But, at this, but what Jesus is getting after and what he gets after throughout the Gospels is, hey, it's always about the heart. And it's worship from the heart as a lifestyle. Worship from the heart as a lifestyle. Listen to, to how the Passion and the Message translation takes this little bit of conversation the Passion says, God, Jesus was saying, Worship the Father neither on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but worship Him in your 
heart. Verse 21. Listen to verse 23 and 24 out of the Passion. Worshiping the Father will not be a matter of a right place, but with a right heart. God is spirit. He longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in spirit and in truth. And listen to how the message says it. He says, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in pursuit of truth. God is looking for those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. Those who worship Him out of their very being, worship God out of their very being, their true selves in adoration. So Jesus is letting us understand that we should not make our worship to God based on a physical location or a physical posture only. What he's getting at is what is the sincerity of each of our hearts? What's the sincerity of our hearts when we worship? Because any one of us can be so good at putting on the Christian face, right? We can be so good at making it look like we've got it all going on and that there's nothing else that can bother us in this life. But what happens internally? He says you can can look the part, you can play the part, but really what I'm after is what's in your heart. What I'm after is how, what's going on inside. Worship from the heart as a lifestyle. And you begin to look at this, in the, in, look with me in Acts chapter 2. And you begin to see when the church was birthed, when the church was forming, is gaining structure and shape, and vision, and direction, and mobility. What was this new thing that was going on? In Acts 2, you begin to see how they rooted themselves, these believers rooted themselves in worship as a lifestyle. That they did, Their faith was not based on checking off a religious box on the Sabbath. It was no longer about meeting the requirements trying to be real good, trying to follow the rules, trying to do everything perfectly and and, and watch and mind ourselves and and make sure we don't make a mistake and all trying to get it all right all the time and do everything just exactly as, as the Old Testament laid out. Jesus brings all of the Old Testament and he actually it says that he he didn't abolish the the law and the prophets it said he actually fulfilled all the law and the prophets and how do you get all that to be real inside of a person well you get the one who made it all who 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 fulfilled it to live inside of you and that's Christ that is Jesus by the spirit of God you get him alive in you and you begin to learn that worship unto God is not just about being able to sing the right note in the right melody, in the right harmony. It's not always about the song. It's not always about your giving. It's not always about your attending to church. It's not always about rule following every week. It's not all about trying to be good every week and be a good person and put out all these good deeds. It's, it's so much more than that, and that is it's an issue of the heart. And worship from the heart as a lifestyle. And you begin to see this take shape here in Acts 2. Look at it with me in verse 42. It says, All the believers devoted themselves. At this time, there were three, about 3,000 believers in Christ. Uh, th- they, be- they devoted themselves. They, 
they, they rooted themselves in the apostles' teaching into fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them, came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had, and they sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need, and they worshipped, everyone say worship. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while, God, and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They discovered a new way, which is the way God intend in Christ, intended in Christ to worship Him from their heart as a lifestyle. They rooted themselves in this daily worship as a lifestyle. And their love expressed from their hearts, out of their lives, actually showcased to the unbelievers around them in such a way that the unbelievers around them, noticing their daily lifestyle of worship, it had such an impact on them that it said each day the Lord was adding to the church those who were being saved. Question for us, man, I wonder how often someone looks at my lifestyle of worship and wants to get closer to Jesus. That, that whole thing makes me kind of think. How often is someone looking at my lifestyle of worship? Not necessarily what I do here on Sunday, because just, just a handful of us see that. But how often does someone look at my lifestyle of worship in my everyday life, and they're like, man, I want to get closer to who they're worshiping. Something's big inside of them. Something's grand on the inside of them. Something is, is amazing on the inside of them. Something's different about their life. Now, I don't ask this question for us to feel shame. I just ask this question for us to consider the sincerity of our worship as a lifestyle. Because we can also live on the flip side of that and think, man, I'm rocking this thing because, man, people are following Jesus because I'm doing this thing right. And we can start to look at it from the perspective of what we are doing to make it happen versus what Christ has done to make it happen. So we can't necessarily allow it to, that alone to define our worship. But what defines our worship? The sincerity of our hearts. The sincerity of our hearts as our daily worship. As a lifestyle. And I, I want to, in the last little bit of time today, I, I want us to look at, I want to I offer you three ideas, three thoughts about our daily life. Because what we talk about here on Sunday and what we sing about on Sunday, what we profess about on Sunday, this has got to transpire into our everyday life. If not, then it's only reserved for Sunday. We can only open the good book on Sunday. We should only sing on Sunday. We should only do anything religious on Sunday. But Jesus came not just for... Uh, he did not come to fulfill a religious obligation. He came 
because He loves each and every one of us. And He came because He wants a relationship with us. And He came to free our hearts. He came to set us free from our sins. He came to demolish every stronghold of the enemy in our life. He came to make right what's wrong in us. He came to to set our feet on a path of righteousness. And in that, it shows us who who is real. And with that, it links us and connects us with God, our Father, our Creator, for eternity the way He created and designed us to worship Him. So I just want to talk about three thoughts that, um, that I think, man, if, that there's more you could put in here, but I just want to offer three thoughts about um, developing a heart of worship as a lifestyle. Um, developing this heart of worship as a lifestyle. The first thought is this, is, is, daily, is to daily love Jesus. I know that sounds like, oh, yeah, duh. Who who doesn't think that who's a Christ follower? Again, it's about daily. It's about understanding this is a daily walk. It's a a daily relationship that we have. It's a daily faith. Daily love Jesus. Look at Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 with me. Paul writes, he says, So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. This is truly the way to worship Him, to give your bodies, to give yourselves to the Lord. And then verse 2, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I'm pretty sure all hands would go up, most of us, if not all of us. Do we really want to know God's will in our life? Yeah, I want to know what God's will for me. How do we find God's will? How do we begin to understand and discern and be confident of God's will for us? It starts by offering and giving our lives to the Lord. Listen to it out of the message. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Take your everyday life, all all of it, and place it before God as an offering. For he says, this is the true way to worship God. So we don't, our worship is not reserved for a Sunday or a church service only. Our worship to the Lord is giving ourselves each and every day, all of our life, all of it throughout the day to Him. So our eating, our sleeping, our going to work, our going to school, our playing sports, our involvement in arts, our jobs, our homework, our all of the things, our lawn work, our whatever, our hobbies, it's giving ourselves fully to Him and letting Him be glorified in all that we do. 
I know that doesn't sound like there's a lot of joy in going to work every day sometimes and seeing, uh, it, to us, it may feel like we're punching a clock and fulfilling a duty and collecting a paycheck and all of that happens and we provide a, a service and a good for, th- for someone else and what we do. But what's the joy in all of those things? It, the joy is, God, I give you my life today. And in my life today, I want you to be glorified in my living. Because what happens is in Acts 2, those on the outside looking at us can hopefully see our everyday heart of worship as a lifestyle that, man, I see something different inside of them. I see something different about their countenance. I see the way they get up and they walk. I see the way they treat someone else. I see the way they talk about someone else in a kind way. I see the way they take a moment and they just surrender their heart and their mind. And I just see them in a way that's different than the way I'm living my life. There's got to be something unique. I see the way they have peace in the midst of this panicked moment in our world. And we understand that that peace and that difference and that change in us is not something that we make to ourselves. It's not something we do for ourselves. It's God himself transforming us into a new person by changing the way we think. And it all starts by offering ourselves our everyday, ordinary life to God each and every day. There may be parts of our day that we just absolutely loathe. There may be parts of our day that we can't stand. There may be parts of ourselves about life each day that, man, I don't look forward to any of that today. But God, with your help, I'm going to do what you have put me here to do. I'm going to be the best at what it, what, whatever it is that lays out before me today that's ahead of me. And I want you to be glorified in my life. Because that begins to take shape and that begins to change our mindset. And as it changes our mindset, it says then God's will becomes known. God's good and perfect and pleasing will. His perfect will for our life and what he has us here for. But we don't begin to discern and know God's will until we first give our everyday life to him. So if we, if we want anything to change then we've got to start by letting God change us inside. And it starts with, today, my worship, I'm going to daily love you, Jesus, and I'm giving my, my life to you today, and I want you to be glorified in it. Here's the second thought about making and developing a sincerity in our heart of worship as a lifestyle. That is to daily learn the ways of Jesus. Daily learn the ways of Jesus. And this is where kind of the, 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 where the rubber meets the road. This is where it starts to actually gain traction. Because any one of us can say, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, I love the Lord. See me smile, see me sing, see me lift my hand, see me serve, see me do these things. I love Jesus, yes I do. I love Jesus, how about you? But then, learning the ways of Jesus, putting it into practice, putting it, can I just profess with my mouth, believe in my heart, and I'll be saved? Yes. 
But then there's the living it out. There's the working of, out of our salvation with much fear and trembling. Learning the ways of Jesus. But here's the thing. We're going to look at a scripture in Matthew 11. It's, I've chosen the message translation for this. It'll be on the screen. But the way of Jesus is pretty much different than what most of us think. And let's look at that. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, from the message, he says, Jesus says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You notice a lot of that whole part of, of him saying what he says has a whole lot about communing with him, connecting with him. He didn't say anything in there about make sure you're good today. Make sure you don't lose it today. Make sure you, you get it right today. You know, make sure you, you read, you know, twice as many scriptures today as you did yesterday. You make, make sure your prayers start out with, Heavenly Father, I bless thee and I thank thee and I am unto thee truly grateful forever thou art mine. Then you can ask me of anything you want. You know, the thing about him, about the Lord, is he did not get caught up on the semantics. In fact, that was the very one, that those who were caught up on that were the very ones he had a, had a bone to pick with, had a chip on the shoulder. Because oftentimes I think we put more pressure on ourselves than the Lord does. We put a whole lot more pressure on ourselves than we, than we, than, than, than him. I don't know why we do that, but we do that. But what we do is we end up finding ourselves exactly being able to say yes to his questions. Are you tired? <laughs> yeah. You worn out? You know it, dog. I am so tired. You burned out on trying to get it right all the time? Yeah. Are you upset that you make your mistakes, feel regret? Yeah. Man, it's like you know me. So here's what I want you to do. Just come to me. Learn from me. Walk with me. Keep company with me, he said. And I'll learn, you'll learn to live free and light. Boy, that would be a great place to live seven days a week, 365, for the rest of my life. Live freely and lightly. But it must be possible if he said that he could do that, right? It must be possible... If he said that he could do that. But what we often do when we find ourselves doing is instead of always looking to learn the ways of Jesus, 
we learn the ways of ourself and what other people are doing. And we can get caught up in comparing. We can get caught up in looking at, look at how they must, there must be something good about them, the way they're handling this part of life. But what we don't always know is the struggles on the inside of another person. And we don't always see, we don't always know what's really going on inside of them. And we have to focus on ourselves in the sense of, I can't compare my walk with Christ as to exactly how everybody else is doing it. Not that we don't learn from each other, not that there's not example and there's mentoring and discipling. That all happens, yes. But it's about learning the ways of Jesus for ourselves. And our act of worship and our heart of worship as a lifestyle is something that we daily learn. Because the Bible's so good at reminding us that yesterday's gone, today's a new day, His mercies are new every morning, and His faithfulness is great. And so we wake up resting assured and reminded that, hey, yesterday I blew it. I didn't learn the ways of Christ so well. I didn't follow them so good. I I messed up here. I, I fell short there. Whatever it was, I didn't handle that situation the way Jesus would have. But today's a new day and we pick up His mercy. We accept His mercy. We accept His grace. We accept His love. And we don't beat ourselves up. We forgive ourselves and we forgive others. And we begin to put a new day in front of us and walk it out in a brand new way by His strength and by His grace. It's daily. Don't let, don't let yesterday's mistakes define the rest of your life. Okay? Don't, don't let wherever you fell short be the defining moment for your future because God doesn't do that. Daily learn the ways of Jesus. And then lastly... Talking about sincerity of our heart as worship, as a lifestyle. Talking about daily love Jesus, daily learn the ways of Jesus. And this last one's daily lean into the sacrifice of Jesus. Daily lean into the sacrifice of Jesus. There's a story in John 12. Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. He was invited to his house a little while later for dinner. And as he's in his house, they're having dinner. And Mary, the sister of Lazarus, comes to the table where Jesus is sitting. And she has this expensive jar of perfume that's valued at a year's wage. And she breaks it open and empties it on his feet. Can you imagine taking your whole year's salary and just, here, take it, God. All of it. That's crazy to me. But she takes that year's salary worth of perfume, breaks it open, pours it all over his feet, and begins to wash his feet. And some of the folks near in the in the company at the dinner, one of them, Judas Iscariot, says, you know, that, that, that could have been sold and the money used to help the poor. You know, it sounds real righteous, doesn't it? Yeah, he could have done a whole lot with that. And Jesus said, you know, leave, this, leave her alone. 
He said, you're always going to have the poor, but you're not always going to have me here. And he said, what she has done is actually prepared me for my burial. She prepared me for the sacrifice that I'm about to make. And so what Mary understood in that moment, she understood that Jesus was enough for her. That she was not going to waste her life on anyone. That she knew that the sacrifice that Jesus would soon make would be enough for her. And so she emptied her livelihood on Jesus. And she recognized and showed that Jesus was worthy of it all. So the poor you're going to have with you always. You're always going to have a problem that you're going to have to solve. You're always going to have an issue that you're going to have to deal with. See, you're always going to have pain in this world. See, you're always going to have some things that you're going to have to have to contend with and wrestle with and struggle with and deal with and go through. But where are you going to empty your life? You're going to try to empty your life on all your problems, on all your issues, on all your shortcomings. Are you going to try to empty your livelihood on all of these things and think you can solve all of man's issues? You think you can handle and solve all of your own problems? Mary understood that Jesus and his sacrifice was enough. And so like Mary, we're called to live each day, each day knowing that Jesus is enough, that his sacrifice was enough and is enough for my salvation. I can't save Me, I can't save somebody else. I can't make somebody else get right with God. I can't make somebody else love the Lord more. That his sacrifice is enough for my salvation. That his sacrifice is enough for my my freedom and my deliverance and my healing. And my and the provision. And the satisfaction and the joy that he can bring into my life. That it's not based on anything else but him. So like Mary, we're called to daily, sacrificially, empty ourselves at his feet. And accept his sacrifice for our life. That at the beginning and the end of each day, is Jesus really enough? Is He really enough? Do I worship Him only when life is great? When life is just a celebratory moment? Or can I worship Him even when I don't feel like it? Can I empty myself at His feet? even when I'm the one who wants to go out and change the world and solve the problems and make it right, work harder and be smarter and do better, all of that. Can I empty myself 
at His feet, knowing that His sacrifice is enough. Does He care about our contentment? Yeah. Does He care about our joy? Yeah. Does He care about our our satisfaction in life? Yeah. But what He cares more about is our heart. Because if our heart is set on worshiping Jesus daily and dependent on Him daily, leaning into His sacrifice daily, He says it another way in the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He said, then all these other things about life, they'll be added. They'll find their place. They'll find their place. But what we have trouble with is the placement value. The placement value. I help one of my kids, I help all with homework, my children, as much as I can. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not smart enough to help you with some of this stuff. But one of them is learning placement value. And I'm trying to help her out and like placement value, the millions, the, you know, the thousands, the hundreds, and the ones. And sometimes my mind just flips it around and I get it backwards and I get it out of place. And I'm like, Haley, can you help with this placement value? We try to put placement value and put the right things in the right place, but sometimes, like my mind, we, we, get, it, we get it all kind of discombobulated and mixed up. We want Jesus to be enough, but sometimes we shift it and put him in the wrong placement value because we think we can, we can make it better. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to close out with this song. I want you to look at this verse on the screen. It's Galatians 2, 19 through 21 out of the message. I think Paul, man, he just has a way with words. He summed, summed this up this way. He said, what actually took place is this. Do we have that verse? There we go. Thank you. He said, I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God. And it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. See, Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. Notice that he didn't do it out of his own strength. He said, I identified myself completely with Him. He says, indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or even have your good opinion. Man, I like to have people's good opinions of me. He said, I'm no longer driven to impress God. Wow. <laughs> but here's what happens. He said, Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine. 
but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, I'm not going back on that. Can we empty ourselves daily before Christ and learn that no matter what, worship is not about how I look all the time. Worship's not about getting it right all the time. Worship is not about faking it till you make it sometimes. Worship is about sincerity of the heart. It's about daily. I'm going to love you today. I didn't love you so well yesterday. And I didn't love those you put in my path too good. I didn't love the job I did today, but I'm going to love you today. And today I'm going to lean on you and I'm going to learn to walk in your will and your grace a little bit greater than I did yesterday. And I'm going to ask you to show yourself good and great in my life. And I give you myself today, Lord. Worship is about daily setting your heart before Him as a lifestyle.